Ah, there we are. Ta-da. Morning. Yes, indeed. So, my apologies for being horrendously late this morning. Dragging this morning. There's this great Calvin and Hobbes where he uh, is like trying to get out of bed in the morning and his, his bed comes alive and his covers are like trying to eat him. And at the end of the at the end of the strip, his mom's like, like seriously, get out of bed. You're going to be late for school. He's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Well, that's kind of how I felt this morning. Yeah, yeah we uh, we went out with Mike and Sarah last night, and uh, we went and saw a movie, and uh, went and got some ice cream, and then we we're trying to figure out what we were going to do next, and uh, um. You know, of course, we're all, like, old now, so it's like trying to figure out what we were going to do. And Mike's like, oh, well, maybe we could go get some milk and magnesia and go home early. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, and, and I knew that, I, I knew that you know, I must be getting old because I thought, wow, that sounds really good. <laughs> At least the going to bed early part. Well, you know, it's funny because when you're a little kid, you don't want to go to bed. It's like bedtime is, is the enemy. It's anathema, you know, but then it's like, you know, it doesn't take too long before it's like, oh, sweet bed. So, Jeremy's already kind of reached that age where he's like, I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed now. So I'm I'm just waiting for him to just decide he's ready to go to bed and go to bed by himself. But, you know, I kept telling him I was like you're going to crave going to bed one day. It's like I, I'm like driving them with the whip. It's like get ready for bed. I want to go to bed. So, well, anyway, so Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. Thank you so much for your goodness, and love, and mercy. And, um, and what we pray today, God, is that you would examine our hearts, God, that the searchlight of your presence would uh, leave no stone unturned in our hearts, God, and that uh, that we would uh, come to you in uh, in honesty and humility, and 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 let you uh, do the things that you're doing in our lives, Lord Jesus, God. You've been talking so seriously about doing things right and, and, and getting things right in our hearts. And, and uh, God, we want to take you seriously. And, and we want to cooperate with you and work with you. And God, we just pray, Jesus, that today you would accomplish in this place exactly what you want done. God, we just glorify you and praise your name. Amen and amen. Well, it's good to have Kai back. We were just talking about that yesterday. I was like, when is he coming back? Oh. Well, just not the same without old Kai. So, so go with me to Titus chapter 3. And I'll just start in verse 1. Uh, of course, he's uh, Paul is, is 
encouraging Titus to, you know, to, to speak to the people and to teach them and, and rebuke them with all authority and everything. And, and so here in three one he says, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates and to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness to all men. For we ourselves were also sometimes foolish and disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by the righteousness, works of righteousness we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So that's an interesting way that he, he he starts out this chapter because uh, he's, he has this re- reminder that we we've all we all came through the same door, we were all in the same boat, and uh, and there's a tendency in Christianity to um, to look at something in somebody else's life and uh, and so and then maybe even kind of on a subconscious level, kind of put yourself above them. Uh, well, at least I'm doing better than that, you know. And uh, but he says here that we, you know, we were all in that same boat. We've all we all came from the same place, um, and and that it wasn't our righteousness that that changed anything in our life. It was the the kindness and love of God and His mercy and the washing of regeneration. That's a great. Great phrase, the washing of regeneration, because he washes you in his blood. But then there's also this this new thing that happens in you, this this new life, this new birth that happens. In verse six, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And this is a faithful saying. And these things I will that constantly affirm that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. And I like that because he just told us that, you know, your salvation and your righteousness is not all about, it's not you, it's, it's, it's Christ. And it's his merit, it's his grace, it's his love. But then he says that, he says to affirm constantly that they which have believed in God be careful to maintain good works. So there's this sense of paying attention then uh, to what we're doing and, and, uh, uh, for lack of a better way to say it, living intentionally. You know, I, I'm going to live in a way that lines up with the Word of God. And I'm going to do it on purpose because I, I take Him seriously. And he says, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law, for they're unprofitable and vain. You know, and it's interesting because you know the you know the foolish questions. You know that kind of covers the the uh, you know the Greeks, in this case, how they they always wanted to have these these arguments about about words and and you know foolish things like kind of like the Sadducees coming and asking Jesus about the woman that had the seven husbands and whose whose wife would she be and all that. It's like, well, what? It's like you're totally missing the point here. It's like this, your question is invalid, you know. But uh, and then the genealogies course covers the these these uh, Jewish people that followed Paul around and created trouble everywhere he went afterwards coming in trying to tear up the work that he did 
uh, and contentions uh, and strivings about the law. So now he's he's now he, it's like he's covering people in the church, you know, because there's you know there shouldn't be, but uh, there are frequently contentions in the church because when you live in close proximity to someone, you rub on them, and vice versa. And um, you know, when I was a kid, I would have sleepovers. I would have somebody over to my house, or I'd go over to somebody's house, and usually by I don't know, like maybe ten in the morning, I was ready for them to go home, or I was ready to go home. <laughs> yes, even you, Mike. And uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not saying that that's, a, that, that that's how we should be, but that's how I was. But my point is, is that sometimes, you know, well, it's like getting married, for example. Cynthia and I never once had a fight when we were dating. Never one time. And then we got married. And then we fought like cats and dogs. And, uh, um, and it's funny because there's like, that. there's no more distance there, you know. It's like I... I couldn't even afford to go see her every day, so it's like I'd saw her in person like twice a week and talk to her on the phone for like 20 minutes because that was all I could afford because that was back when you had to pay long distance. And uh, yeah, long time ago, right? Oh, you guys, what? Yeah, the bygone days. No, no, phone, the phone bill would show up and my mom would like highlight all the ones that the calls that were to her and I paid for them, which was reasonable. It was a lot of money. But, you know, after about 15 minutes, it's like, all right, well, I love you. i got to go now. can't really afford to talk to you anymore. So, <laughs> well, but, um, you know, but then suddenly you, you're married and you live in the same place and you can't, you don't ever get away from them or, you know, uh, you know, for lack of a better way to say it. But then so, and then you, you get closer to them and you find out those those things about them that drive you crazy. And this is, of course, all things that she found out about me, not me about her, and that uh, that made everything difficult. So, you know, when you marry somebody that's perfect, you you know that you're going to cause problems for them. But anyway, thank you. Thank you, John. But, so, but he says, so he says to avoid foolish questions, genealogies, contentions, Strivings about the law, you know, because we, you know, we have this individual relationship with God. And so there are things that are not necessarily in the word either way, but maybe God has told me no. And, uh, or maybe he's told you no. Um, and so then we have a tendency to want to cram everybody into that. It's like, well, I don't do that because God told me no. And so you shouldn't either because... I am I am now more righteous than you. You know. And and it's it sounds silly when you say it like that, but that's the kind of stuff that we, we find ourselves tangled up with sometimes. Or the you know, these contentions, these strivings. It says they're unprofitable and vain. You know, in business you have you know, uh it's interesting because they uh we listen to this guy and he's like, So I'm gonna ask you questions, like why are you in business? And most of the people in the room said to make money. And he's like, wrong. It's like you're in business to make a profit because you have money that comes in, but you have money that goes out. So what's left over is what you're actually making. Long story short. So your life should be like that. Not money, but 
your life should be that way. It's like you should, you know, have your life should be profitable. You know, it shouldn't be a, it shouldn't be a waste of time because time is the currency of your life, and and love is the currency of your life. And so, you know, you it's like you're spending time to uh, to build up this this profit of of love in your life and the things that that God does. You know, love for Him, love for His people, and and uh, uh, and and even you know obviously to reach out to the to the lost, but he says that the, all these other things are unprofitable and vain. Vain's a good word. You know, it's it, to me it's a really great, powerful one-syllable words like this is worthless. I like that. So here's where I actually really wanted to get to. This just really struck me the other day when I read this. So a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sins being condemned of himself. So, I know I was just talking about the Greeks and how they like to have all these conversations about sophistry and stuff, but I'm going to talk about some words here anyway. This word uh, heretic is an interesting word. And, um, you know, I never really thought that much about what a heretic meant. I always thought a heretic was like somebody who like uh, goes around teaching something so outlandishly crazy that anybody could see that it was wrong. But uh, the Youngs uses a really interesting word here because heretic is basically essentially kind of a cognate from from the Greek. It's basically like they just took that word and, made, and it's an English word. You know, there's lots of words in English that that we just kind of stole from other languages and we just Americanized it because that's how we do it. But uh, the young says a sectarian man or a schismatic man. So, um, you know, so it's not so much that uh, it's not so much that I, I'm I'm going around teaching some outlandish doctrine. It's I'm creating sects. I'm creating division, and 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 you know, and schismatic is an interesting word because when I think of a schism, it's like to me it's like a break. You know, it's, it seems like some kind of something that's broken and torn. And and where this this Greek word, like if you you take it down to the the root of where this word comes from, it means to choose. To choose, and it has this this sense with it of choosing something for yourself. So it's like I'm going to choose what I want to believe. I'm going to choose what I want to do. I'm going to choose. Uh, it's like I, I I actually sort through the things that, that the Word of God says, and I do what works for me. I do what I like. I do what I want to do. That's that's what this sense of being a heretic is about. And uh, and the interesting thing is is uh, a lot of times this starts on the inside. You know, this is something that starts on the inside, and people may not be aware of it, but it's going on in you. Um, and and then you say something to somebody, and they kind of look at you like, uh, "Did you really just say that?" And uh, or or hopefully they would. I I would like to think that uh, if I got that off base about something, somebody would stop me and and say, "I really seriously." So. Um, you know, and the interesting thing about you know how the Youngs uses the word sectarian, it's like 
It's like your your team and my team. It's like I'm gonna, uh, you know, and there's that sense of choosing again. Saying I want to choose up sides. It's like this is my team and this is what we do. This is their team and this is what they do. It's, it's us versus them. And the church should have never ever gotten there. I mean, you know that like a, you would think that a a town this small would have one church in it, you know. But or or at least that, you know, you could kind of just go to one church or the other here in town, and everybody knows everybody, and everybody believes the same thing. You would think, you know. But you know, but even if you wanted to get even more specific, within a church, this this stuff happens, and it never should happen. That that's like, well, you know, I'm mad at brother so and so, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna stir up trash everywhere I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna make things upset. And I and I'm gonna spread it around. But so so here he's talking about somebody who's doing that and then being admonished. Admonished is a good word because it's uh it's a it's a rather firm rebuke, but it's 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 in your best interest. It's not like I'm just lambasting you. I'm saying, hey, this is not cool. Let's not do this. You know, it's kind of like parenting when you have kids and they do something that's just wildly inappropriate, but they have they didn't know any better. So you admonish them. It's like, let's not do that again. But here he says, you know, this is this, this heretic is someone who they're doing these things, and and after the first and second admonition, they're still doing their stuff. They're still playing the same uh, my team, your team type of stuff. And he says to reject them. And, and this word reject, you know, is like to not receive them, to, to shun them, to avoid them. Uh, so keep your thumb there for just a minute. And I'm going to, uh, or just, uh, you can just listen with me. I'm going to read uh, just a little passage from Second Thessalonians uh, in chapter 3. Um, and he says, uh, in 3.11, says, We hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So clearly they have time on their hands to get into mischief. It says, Now they that are such we command and exhort by the Lord Jesus Christ they eat that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. So it's like, stay out of trouble, you know. And and you know get your nose in the book and 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 be quiet and just you know and stop stirring up the stuff and he says but brethren be not weary in well doing if any man obey not our word by this epistle note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed yet count him not as an enemy but admonish him as a brother so that's kind of an interesting thought you know because. You know, and sometimes in the church, when somebody makes us upset, we we do push them away. You know, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's he's talking about this sense of somebody who's being a heretic and who's is is causing trouble on purpose. And uh, uh, and he says to not have fellowship with them, to to not not spend time with them, to uh, that they may be ashamed. You know, and there's there's nothing like. Uh, you know, nobody wants to hang out with you to make you feel like, well, dang it, what's the matter with me? But he uh, he says, but not to count him as an enemy. You know, so there's no sense of, of hatefulness in this exclusion. It's an exclusion of 
Well, it's like quarantining somebody who has uh, a serious disease. You know, it's like, hey, so, uh, you know, so you know, you stay over there until you get this all worked out, until this thing is all squared away, and then you can come back over here. Um, but but there's this sense of admonishment with it. It's like, but but seriously, you do need to get this thing fixed. And and it's funny because uh, you know our society praises tolerance so much. You know, that it's such a, an important thing, you know. And, and in family, there is always, of course, a sense of tolerance and, and understanding and the things that people do. But, uh, and there's that elasticity of love that keeps you from killing each other. But, but um, it's funny because it's hard to do that with people. It's hard to, uh, to draw the line with someone and and be serious about something like this has to change. This is unacceptable, um, and this this is the right way, and this is what needs to happen. Um, without somebody getting mad, you know, either you say it because you're mad now, or they get mad because you said it, or or however, you know, and uh, and it's interesting because you know Mike and I have these guys that work for us now, and and they're really great. And every now and then something has to be tweaked. And we have, you know, they're already all saying that, you know, we're you know, different than anybody else they've ever worked for. And we're really nice. In fact, one of our guys said that we're too nice, uh, which we've definitely took into consideration. So, like, well, I could be a jerk if you'd like. No, but actually it's really hard, you know, because when you, it's like, hey, this thing, this this has to be this way. And it just has to be. Like we had like a new guy that like kind of dropped the ball on something that could be a humongous account for us and I don't think he realized how important this was and how it had to be different than what he was doing and so you know, we just, we had to talk to him, he's like, No, seriously, you have to do this right and you know, you need to talk to this lady hat in hand and, and be cool about it. Uh, so and it's no fun doing that though, you know. But the nice thing is, is most people kind of expect their boss to talk to them like that, so they don't get mad. But in the church, we get all bent out of shape because you know somebody had the the yeah they they I can't believe they would have the audacity to say that to me, you know because it's, you know it's like we're we're adults now. Nobody talks to me like that. You know, and uh, since no wonder Jesus said that you should become his little children. So uh, so he says here that uh, back in Titus 3, he says, A man that's a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sins and be, uh, being condemned of himself. And so I looked up this word subverted. As, it's like you don't really hear that word very often. It's like what does that even, what does that mean, you know? And... In fact, um, the and the Youngs uses the word perverted here, uh, and I, and I, and they're different, but they're very similar at the same time. And so I think when you get, I'm going to read the definition I looked up for both of these, and I think it really gives you a good. Uh, when you read both of them together, it gives you a really good, clear picture of what he's talking about here. So uh, pervert to distort, to use something wrongly, to corrupt to draw something, someone from the right path or to corrupt someone into deviant behavior. 
then he says, uh, and then subvert. Subvert is to undermine authority, to bring the downfall of something or someone, to undermine the moral principles of a person or an institution. So they, I mean, they both have the sense with them of overthrowing or overturning someone or something. Um, and, and I think, you know, that both of these words uh, work really well here because this sense of being the heretic, this sectarian person of I'm going to make a team here. It's like I'm going to get you on my side and we're going to fight these people over here has with it this sense of, of corruption and drawing somebody away from the right path and corrupting someone into deviant behavior. Uh, because, you know, deviant is something that is abnormal, something that is inappropriate and not, not at all uh, normal. So, and then the sense of subverting, you know, it undermines authority. It's like, well, I know the Bible says this, you know, and I know the ministry says this, but, you know, I, I choose what I want to do, and I, I choose what I want to say, and I, and I, I make my teams, and, and, and I do my things. And so, you know, that's certainly, so pervert is really a good word there. Uh, but then, uh, and, and, well, yeah, subversion to, to undermine the authority and to bring the downfall of something or someone. It's like, it's like those stories that uh, they always would, uh, we always read about uh, when they were trying to make AIDS awareness like a really big thing when I was a kid in school. And they would talk about these people that knew that they had this uh, HIV virus and they would intentionally spread it to people. And it's like, well, if I'm going down, I'm taking you with me, is, is, the, is the idea. And, and uh, to do this whole heretic sectarian thing is exactly what it is. It's like, well, I'm, it's like I've got this disease that going on in me that I, I'm choosing to go this direction. And by golly, I'm taking everybody I can with me. It's like this is how churches split in half and, and then people leave and then you have two churches in different towns. And and uh, and these things should never be. Things should never happen in the church. And uh, so, you know, to bring the downfall of something or someone, to undermine the moral principles of a person or an institution, you know, it... It doesn't matter if you've been here 30 years or three weeks. You know these these if you you know if you've been here for 30 years and you get angry about something and then you take you know younger people, uh, you know people that are younger in the Lord and you start perverting them away from the, the truth, you start dragging them down this wrong path. Then uh, it says here that 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 you're sinning and being condemned of yourself. And this, this word sinning is uh, missing the mark. Because, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I know we, Ron's talked about how there's a lot of different words uh, that it uses for sin. And this, that's what this one means. So it's like, so if you're doing these things where you're, you're, you know, jockeying for position and making teams and uh, my side, your side, you're missing the point missing the mark altogether about what God has for us because he demands, in fact, he doesn't ask that we all get along and be nice and sit in the same room and, and, and be polite. He demands that we have unity. 
and and that we all endeavor to get there. You know, and obviously the 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 ultimate fulfillment of that is in his hands and in his in in is in his power. But he still has this demand that he expects us to, to bow to. Because um, you know, you can he can be your friend and you don't really obey him. There's sometimes Mike tells me that, you know, we should do this or that. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we should. And then I don't do it, you know, but, uh, um, you know, if, if he's your Lord, then, then you don't really get the option of telling him, nah, like actually, well, I'm, I'm mad enough at this person. I'd really rather just, you know, tear everybody up. It's like, you know, I want to be a suicide bomber and just walk into the church and blow up on and who cares who I hurt. And, um, you know, I, I can't think of any better way to describe it than that, to to spread that kind of upsetness of, well, I'm angry uh, about what was it? Well, I don't remember now, but, I was, uh, but I'm mad. And so now, you know, I mean, have you ever seen kids that do that? It's like, what are you guys fighting about? Well, I don't know. Like the, it's like the, the, the Hatfields and the McCoys. Like, what were you guys even angry about? I don't remember. You know, it's like, it's just, you know. It's just us and them now, you know, and and it's it, and it's so blatantly contrary to what the Word of God says, to what God's expectation for us is, you know, and so so God's been talking about these things, you know, for a while, and and it's a, a serious thing because uh, um, you know it's it's there's this sense of uh, of tearing other people up, drawing people into these things, uh, you know, and that's what I like about about how there's the sense of admonition going on because, um, you know, when uh, you know if if you were involved in this behavior and somebody comes to you and talks to you and and you didn't hear it, and then they bring somebody else to you or with them and they talk to you about it again. Uh, then and you're and you're still not hearing it. Then it it takes you right back to the things that Jesus said in Matthew. That that um, uh, that if you know if if you've got a problem, then you need to talk about it. And if if they don't hear you, then you should take somebody else with you. And then if they don't hear you, then then you bring it to the church. And then if they don't hear if they don't hear the church, then then you know they're a, a heathen and a publican. And so you know we don't want that. Uh, uh, in the church, and, and God doesn't want it in the church. And so, you know, the other thing that I was that that I would say um, about these things is that, um, you know, there's uh, you know the military has police because you have all these all these people with with weapons and training and uh uh and occasionally they get mad and they think well you know it's like you know if i got mad at somebody i'd be pretty harmless as far as like actually hurting them but you know somebody who's like actually trained to kill people might actually be a problem but um in a when there's a war going on the army can't afford to let there be any kind of stuff like that going on because the army has to work together and so 
uh, I could think of, you know, no better example of, than right now. It's like we've got uh, we've got troops that, in Central America doing this thing that, that God is is talking about, and He's talking about these very things about the sense of being sectarian, the sense of this is my camp, this is my team. I don't get along with those guys over there, uh, and uh, uh, and so God is talking about the same things here that. You know, and and that's why I think what uh, Ron was talking, uh, what he did that last service that he was here, because uh, we we have to deal with the things in our own hearts and in our own homes and our own families, because if we won't deal with them then, then God can't expect us to, He can't trust us to deal with it with anybody else. And so, um, you know, so the thing that we want to do is is just humble ourselves before the uh, what the Word of God says, and and search our hearts, not in a sense of of uh, I'm going on a witch hunt, but um, when God talks, you know, really serious about things, then uh, it behooves us to listen and to to pay attention and to examine our hearts, um, you know, and and take seriously God our are you talking to me? Typically when God has been talking this serious, this long about something, you already know that he's talking to you. And, uh, and and so at that point, it kind of becomes a sense of, well, now it would just be a matter if I need to humble down and actually listen to what God is saying and, and heed it and, and do something with it. So, Jesus, we just uh, pray today that you would do as only you can. Uh, God, we, we just... Uh, Repent before you, God, that we are uh, there is among us envying and strife, and that we're carnal and walking as men. And God, what we want is to grow uh, beyond these things, Lord God. We want to lay aside the the, the foolishness uh, of of holding grudges and, and upsetnesses and and stirring up strife. God, what we want is to have uh, your presence have absolute liberty in our life to do the things that you want to do. God, we want to be clean vessels that the world could drink, uh, have a drink of your water from, Lord Jesus, that the, that the lost and the, the, the disenfranchised could have uh, a safe haven, uh, Lord God, and, and have a, a, a pure source of, of your love and of your gospel. And God, what we pray is that you would uh, examine each and every one of us uh, and and cause us to take seriously the the things that you're saying. God, and to um, to humble ourselves before your word. God, we just pray it in your righteous name. God, today in this place, we want you to do exactly what you want to do. God, we we don't want you to be uh, hindered by anything. God, we we want you to to be able to come into this place and have liberty. God, we don't want to miss. Your blessings. We don't want to miss your refreshing. Uh, God, we just we pray that uh, that you would do in this place as only you can. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. amen.